You're listening to Following the Way, a podcast devoted to the examination of Scripture and Christ-centered practices to help us live in devotion to the way of Jesus. Well, hello everyone, and welcome once again to this podcast. Glad that you can be with us and uh, that we can join together doing this. Over the next little bit, I want to do some podcasts here on the book of Hebrews. I've been thinking about doing some podcasts through a specific book for a while and thought that now maybe this is the time. You know, and Hebrews is a fascinating book in the New Testament. It's full of Old Testament prophecy. It's full of Old Testament sacrificial imagery that points us to Jesus. And I'll venture to say that it's far more applicable and relevant to our lives than we might actually think. And you might be thinking, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, isn't that just a letter full of Old Testament references that are hard to understand? How is a book written to Messianic Jews applicable to me as a 21st century Western Christian? Isn't that a book? Isn't that book just a little bit outdated? And, you know, if you're thinking that, I want to, through these podcasts, maybe reshape a little bit of how we look at Hebrews and uh, just how extraordinary it is for our lives. And I think that it's a great focus coming into Advent as it places the spotlight squarely on Jesus and who he is. So a little bit of background, a little bit of context um, about Hebrews, maybe more of like an intro. This is, and this is sort of what this podcast is. Um, so, you know, we might be asking things like, when was Hebrews written? Uh, what was it in response to? Uh, we know that it's it's written from what we can gather, that it's been written to um, Jewish Christians who were um, Jews who had come to follow Jesus. And uh, in Hebrews 10, 32 to 34, there's persecution that's noted. And it speaks of in the former days, like in the past, these people had experienced persecution it talks there of public, it was public, there was loss of property. Uh, but then in, in Hebrews 12, 4, it talks about how they hadn't resisted yet to the point of losing their lives or um, to sh- the shedding of blood. And so um, some theologians think that this might refer to the trouble in Rome with Messianic Jews that led to their expulsion by the emperor in 49 AD. Uh, the Roman historian Suetonius speaks of riots uh, at that time where that were instigated as a result of the message of Jesus. Um, Acts 18.2 speaks to this, where it talks about Priscilla and Aquila, the two Jewish believers that were expelled from Rome. Um, and it's, it's thought that Hebrews may have been written some years later to Messianic Jews in Rome when persecution was on the rise again, and they're referring back to what they had previously walked through. And perhaps it was before the destruction of the temple in 70 AD that this is, again, kind of the timeline of when we think it might have been written, uh, because there's no mention of that at all, which is kind of would be a little bit odd, given that there's so much of a focus at times in Hebrews on uh, the sacrificial system and how Jesus is uh, the final sacrifice. And so if the temple and the sacrificial system had been destroyed there, uh, you would in Jerusalem, you would think that that may have uh, warranted some mention or, or at least been alluded to. Um, and so because it's not, some think that it was likely written before that. But there is some debate amongst theologians on this point. But 
this theme of persecution being on the rise, uh, Christians facing this in their daily life, this is where Hebrews is very relevant for us today and perhaps where the church is going to be going here in the West uh, in the not-too-distant future, where anti-Christian sentiment is on the rise in our culture. Rod Dreyer, he's an uh, author, and uh, he recently spoke at a conference, and he had some really profound things to say about uh, just needing to understand that we live in a post-Christian society. And I think probably most of us sort of would agree to that if you think, or if you know what that means, that really we, we are not a Christian nation in any regard anymore. Um, but what he talks about there is the difference now is that we're considered weirdos and we're considered evil. That That's where we're at now in society, especially, he says, in larger cities. And even if we don't live in cities, you're like, well, you know, I live out here in the sticks or I, I live in the rural, like that, that's not my reality. Um, you know, cities is where the majority of our kids are going to attend post-secondary education in the years to come or already are. And so that, this, this is relevant. And, and I, he, he says, Dreyer, he talks about how, you know, we, we thought up to now, maybe as the church that we just need to be more winsome for the gospel to, to spread to people and for people to respond to it. And he's saying that that's not the case anymore. The, the answer now for the church is not optimism, but hope meaning that we have hope in the message of Jesus. Even if things get bad, we stand on the hope that the Lord is with us. And so um, he talked a little bit about the importance in this of embracing suffering in our lives because so much of Christianity in the West up to this point has really talked a lot about comfort, embracing comfort, pursuing more comfort. A lot of the message of the gospel is framed around comfort. And he he, was, he mentions how he was talking to um, a friend of his in Russia who had lived through um, uh, the Soviet Russia and the KGB and, and had as a follower of Christ. And he, he was talking about how we have to put away the thought that suffering is always something to be avoided. Because what if the Lord wants to use our suffering to speak to the world? We don't think like that in the West, but he says where we're going, perhaps that needs to be a much larger focus for the church because that's always been part of the history of the church for 2,000 years. And so this is where Hebrews can be so helpful to us to think about how the church is called to respond amidst resistance and potential persecution. Now, we may not be facing this yet all that much, but there is a significant shift that's happened in the West in the past number of years that has revealed danger, real significant danger to the church. There's a liberalism, and I'm not talking about liberals, I'm not talking about politics or political ideology. Um, so liberalism or a progressive ideological platform uh, has risen up that seeks to redefine Jesus, redefine scripture and the church. And this is a spiritual battleground, I would venture to say, in every single church because the influence of secular humanism in culture, which is taught in our educational systems, especially in post-secondary where 
you know, the gloves are off, so to speak, against a Christian worldview. That that it, this has infiltrated the church, and the thing about this view, this secular humanistic liberal view, and when it's mixed with Christianity, it seeks to take over the church. Leading progressive Christians, they don't want to have the church end. They don't want to destroy the church more than than anything. What I see is they want to take it over. And they want to reshape what the church is because they crave platforms for their ideals. And they many of them crave to actually shift and turn the very foundation of the church. And there are those who are, are militant in this regard. They're, they're educated, they're intellectual, they're, pers- they're persuasive individuals who will seek to influence large parts of the church. Those and and for those that aren't nearly as invested in this or aware of the danger of this progressive ideology, they they are being manipulated into this by entertainment, social media, and many other areas of our secular post-Christian culture. But the thing is they're largely unaware of the grave danger of it. And so when this is happening and then there is a a lack of spiritual disciplines uh, in the church, a lack of discipleship, a lack of involvement and accountability to a local church, it, it makes Christians easy prey for the enemy. And so those that are unwilling uh, to relent from a historical interpretation of Scripture— and, and, and a historical interpretation of the truth of Scripture, a commitment that Scripture are the very words of God, that they have ultimate authority in our lives, that Jesus is the only way. Now, again, even saying Jesus is the only way, that, you know, exclusivity like that doesn't play well in a pluralistic society. And Hebrews is clear on the need for salvation through Christ alone. So when, when there's this commitment where we're, we're committed to Scripture, we're committed to it as being the ultimate authority in our lives, that Jesus is the only way, that we're seeking to live for the advancement of God's kingdom as our highest calling, the reality of persecution and being treated as, as outcasts in society is a very real possibility. And so this is where a measured approach right now when it, when it comes to covid even is is really helpful because you know talking about covid it's a big deal and it's not a big deal meaning it's a big deal because it's a virus that needs to be taken seriously and as followers of Jesus we're called to love to care and serve those who are sick and vulnerable in our society so following public health orders is a logical and a mature response as followers of Jesus. And in that sense, um, you know, in, in, in this sense, then COVID isn't a big deal either. Meaning let's not get bent out of shape about masks and public health orders because there are far more important issues right now for followers of Christ to be focused on than making, COVID conspiracy theories, our new soapbox that we're going to, you know, that's the hill that we're going to die on right now. And I I would say that's where COVID is a big deal, 
and it's not a big deal. And so let's focus on much more important issues right now when it comes to being followers of Jesus. And so this is where Hebrews is so helpful in posturing us, how, how we respond to persecution, how we respond to suffering and gain insight into what we should be focused on. Hebrews is so helpful for that. It serves as a, a warning for us about the dangers and the consequences of withdrawing from uh, the from the body from the from the body of Christ questioning our you know the dangers of questioning our allegiance to Jesus and the danger of abandoning hope in him which can be subtle in our lives where we find ourselves placing our hope in a variety of other places or other people and so this letter encourages us to endure in faith in hope and love that's centered on Jesus above all things. Because, you know, again, there's a lot of talk about faith and especially hope and love uh, in our culture that's not rooted in Jesus. There's there's a lot of buzzwords with, with hope and love especially, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's rooted in Christ. And so this is where this letter encourages us in that Christ-centered way. And clearly what we'll see as we walk through Hebrews is that it's clearly focused on Jesus above all things. So whatever we're going through, whatever we're facing, whatever we will face, it's reminding us that Jesus is above all things, who he is. And so we'll unpack that in greater depth here uh, in the episodes to come. But uh, really looking forward to this series on Hebrews. I think that it's going to be rich. I think it's going to be rewarding. And I think that it'll really help us in these days uh, to have a Christ-centered view and to be following the way of Jesus um, with, with even greater passion and, uh, and hope in these days. So bless you all. We will uh, certainly, Lord willing, see you again.